welcome everyone to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter yesterday. And what we captured last week was there was a Fed meeting. They raised by 75 basis points, as I'm sure everybody's well aware of at this point. They were pretty hawkish. And the thing that stood out to me most, I think, was that Jerome Powell was uh, resolved in his in his fight against inflation and really wasn't phased by what's going on in capital markets. And in fact, implied that what's going on in capital markets is exactly what the Fed is expecting to see and wants to see. They want to see tightening conditions. They want to see a decline in demand because they feel like they have to do a fight inflation. That's the bedrock of the economy. And so that's pretty bearish to me because they also said um, that they they don't want to declare a victory too early. So it, it tells me that they're going to push until they really see the, the data start to, to turn and that turns them into a lagging indicator in a negative way this time around. Any thoughts, Eric? Yeah, so quick ones that I picked up, of course, is one, they don't care about the stock markets. Actually, they expect the stock markets to be doing what it's doing currently. Secondly, there is, uh, he mentioned housing, that house, housing markets is not doing so well. And that's also what they expect and want. And of course, they mentioned that they, they expect to have more rate hikes going into the next two or three meetings. I think their target is to be around 3 4% by the end of the year, maybe 3% by the end of the year, 4% next year. So unless things change, it's a rate hike season. The statistics that stood out for me, that is the first rate, 75 basis points rate hike since 1994. And circumstances were kind of similar at that time. All in all, consumer spending is still holding up, which is pretty, which is pretty interesting, given the kind of rate hikes that you've had so far. And secondly, of course, that business leaders themselves don't sound very confident heading into this season, despite the fact that consumer spending is holding up well. Some of them are doing layoffs. Coinbase did a couple of layoffs, Redfin, layoffs and of course are there the main point of contention is the circumstances have changed the markets are not the same they were a couple of months before they're seeing some headwinds especially in the area of let's say crypto of course candy base is very exposed and headwinds also in the area of housing so i think those are key points that i picked up especially from the macro section any thoughts any more thoughts on that yourself yeah i mean i think the consumer spending the strength in consumer spending is really less of a leading indicator than the other stuff that we're watching and that's why you're seeing business leaders and capital markets being so pessimistic about the the likelihood of a recession we know consumers are flush with cash still from the stimulus so people are still feeling wealthy but as the trends are moving downward and the federal reserve seems intent on restricting demand the Fed usually gets their way. And by usually, I mean pretty much always. <laughs> so Let's... I think we're on the lookout for, for a recession. And the quote that really summed it up was, I can't remember who, but talking about feeling like the roadrunner or the Wiley Coyote in this case, I think where they're off the cliff and just waiting to fall and haven't started falling. That certainly seems to be the most likely scenario, even though the politicians seem to be saying that there's no need for a recession. I mean, Jerome Powell was even saying basically that soft landing is out of our control, that there's other factors. So the Fed is totally prepared to accept the hard landing is what I read from a lot of that press conference as well. I think a small, a small note also is that what is a factor that's playing into this, the kind of concerns that are being played out, especially politicians and also like the Fed, is the November elections. It's such a big deal. I've noticed it, especially now with last week's quote, the previous week's quote where 
the president is claiming it's a mobile makes more money than government. I think it's the intention is clearly to target particular sectors which are affecting inflation. And those sectors include housing, energy markets, and also like these targeted measures to want to, to kind of soften demand or or kind of pull down the 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 the, the, co the cost inflation that is happening in these markets. So they, I don't know what you can say about that, given that you're in the US yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this a lot, and I think there's a resistance among like st fundamental stock analysts, people who really like to look at companies. There's a resistance looking too much at the politics, looking too much at the Federal Reserve, and the things that are going on there, but. My experience in the Time Magazine project, which we've talked about a lot, is that the real leading indicator in the economy is government policy, federal government policy. So whatever the, the federal government is doing, and then the Federal Reserve actually follows usually because the political pressure is really, even though the Fed is supposedly independent, like the will of the people or the will of the executive and the Congress is really what ends up getting the Federal Reserve to move. So in this case, it's very clear that the elections are about inflation. That's the number one topic on voters' minds right now. And the voters are asking the government to control inflation. And so the government is doing that via the Federal Reserve. And, uh, you know, the flip side of this is that the lower income consumers are the ones who are going to be most hit. They're most hit by inflation and then they're most hit by recession. I totally agree. A couple of other questions to doubt is, of course, one for me was the there's no rapid recovery that's going on in China. So I think a couple of quotes that I've been picking in the earnings calls when I was talking to friends in China is that I think the, the lockdowns there had a significant impact on, on, on consumer spending, on habits. I think these ones were more, they, they had a lot of a bigger impact than the previous lockdowns that they've had. So I think I mean, the, the expectation that China would recover very quickly is not, is not in sight. That's just something you should counter. But also, uh, two things, delinquency rates are picking up and restructuring opportunities are available. And something else that we know to do also like activist investors and all the, uh, they are, they're like vouchers now, they're out there hunting for these companies that actually, the stock prices are falling significantly and trying to institute a few measures to, to get that. Any thoughts on those two things? Yeah. I mean, these are all coincidental to like emerging indicators of, of recession, basically that delinquencies are starting to soften, that people are looking for restructuring, capital markets are still closed for IPOs and things like that. Yeah. It makes me increasingly bearish on financial services companies. Honestly, they're, you know, the housing stuff that we talked about as talked about as well. It seems like it's only a matter of time before housing prices start to move in the other direction. Just as interest rates have changed the affordability equation. And, you know, the other thing is that technology stocks have just sold off so much. You're noticing that the multiples relative to some of the other sectors are really, I don't know how much more beaten up they can get, especially because there is still fundamental growth in technology. So like Coca-Cola, I think is like 25 times earnings and Google's at like 19 or something. Like, I don't, I, I think it's pretty clear. I would rather own Google than Coca-Cola. <laughs> just like in the absolute. And so, you know, the, these are things, dynamics that are, that are important to watch. I think the other thing that really stood out to me this week was that supply chains, you're getting actually increasingly positive comments on supply chains and that they're, they're starting to heal and they're still not fully healed, but they are starting to heal. And so you really do have these disinflationary forces that are starting to stack up in the economy too. Which is just, again, that roadrunner dynamic where you're like off the cliff and it's, it, you're just waiting to fall. That's the type of thing that can happen here. So I'm not personally betting on like increased inflation or accelerating inflation right now. Any thoughts there? 
Yeah, I think on supply chains, definitely they're getting better, not where they're supposed to be, but still slightly way better than, let's say, six or seven months. So I think that's what I picked up. A debate that is currently, I think, happening, especially with Twitter, financial Twitter, is about, you know, like semico- the semiconductor industry is extremely exposed to, cyc- to, cyc- to cycles, uh, to the cyc- cyclical nature of markets and all. So like at, at, uh, when, when demand is very high, supply comes up and exceeds the, de- the demand. Then quickly you have an oversupply. So I think right now, because we've been having a lot of shortages, so people are watching out for the point in time where the supply becomes excessive. And notice like Bridgewater associates at a $1 billion bet against the SML, who are one of the like uh, semiconductor players. So I think the bet here is significantly that when is this going to time? So it's a very, very close eye being pl- placed on this. What we pick from mining so far is a bit mixed for, for my perspective. There are few who are saying it's getting better, but most are saying like, okay, this is very challenging heading into 2023. We're still going to have this kind of, this kind of issues. And one thing I've read also is that some of these semiconductor factories that are being set up, it takes up to three to five years to set them up completely. We are barely two years into the pandemic. So I wonder if we've actually wrapped up production enough to be able like to meet the, the demand. Any thoughts on that, especially yourself? Yeah, it's something that I'm looking at as well, and I'm not sure it's balanced out to me. There's there's over-inventory of semiconductors, and the cycle's going to hit the semiconductor industry really hard. I think the dynamic, actually, that's really resonated with me more that probably applies to what here is in the auto industry, where you're seeing that because there is such restricted dis- supply of automobiles, it's been hard to actually get over-inventories, which is usually where you would get crushed in a cycle. So if the economy is moving in the opposite direction, and you're over inventory, that's where you're really cutting prices hard and trying to clear the inventory. So there are some companies where we've seen that dynamic, where there's over inventory, like retailers have been like this, Peloton is like this, really consumer products where there was ramp up in production. But uh, I don't know that semiconductors is going to have the same dynamic. And Bridgewater always just brings a smile to my face with whatever they're doing. So, <laughs> would, would you place a $1 billion bet? <laughs> Again. I don't know that I would. <laughs> It's quite significant though. It's that big neuro. It honestly could. I mean, the one, this is probably sacrilege, but like NVIDIA seems like way too high of a market cap to me and has like really held in despite all of the, you know, like they're really a bubble, uh, a bubble beneficiary and has held in a lot. So uh, the fundamentals are just too good though. And yeah, they're like crypto beneficiaries and stuff like that. So all right, I think that's a good place to end, but maybe a quick one. I was listening like this week, I tried out, uh, I was listening to Seth Klarman in an interview and I found very relevant quotes and we did, uh, so we did send out some quotes this week on this and uh, give us feedback. Also, let us know if there are areas where you would want us to, to put more emphasis on, you want to make the transcript better and to serve you better and to give you quality quotes and able to make a difference. In terms of the way you invest and in the way you, you look at the economy. So thank you for joining us this week. So see you again next week. Thank you so much and goodbye.